Old powers waken, shadows stir. An age of wonder and terror will soon be upon us. An age for gods and heroes. The glass candles are burning, and you're listening to the Obsidian Nights Podcast. been a while the last chapter we left off at was game of thrones daenerys one and we also did the stannis special with brendan b fish and let me get some housekeeping things out of the way and clear some things up before we get started so i will be continuing obsidian knights solo and before anyone speculates or gets messy there is no beef or drama with me and quinn him and i are good friends he's just busy he's like writing a whole graphic novel he like he has a lot going on so i'm gonna continue obsidian knights and he can come on any episode that he's available to come on i will be inviting guests on i will have rotating guests it's gonna be fun obsidian knights is like special to me it's something that I always wanted to do and it's basically like a love letter to the book series that changed my life and also a love letter to George R.R. Martin about like how awesome he is so before we jump into Eddard 1 I also wanted to let you know that you can join my discord the link will be pinned in the comments there's a bunch of fun stuff going on there but most importantly there is a book club on there where they read the chapters and discuss it in an audio channel and all you need for that that is your phone to join the conversation so you can follow along there and be ready for the chapters or you can read on your own and be ready for the chapters as I go through and highlight the details the mysteries the clues and the bigger pictures I will be doing these every week consistently they will be available on iTunes and Google Play as well so if you listen to them on there please drop a review because that will really help me out but without further ado let's get started Eddard 1 is an important chapter. So when you read it the first time, you probably think, well, there's not much to this. It's kind of business as usual. There isn't much that meets the eye. You're getting a lot of the backdrop and exposition on how we are where we are. There was a war. Robert won. Eddard helped him while they won. It was at a great cost. They lost a lot and what they lost kind of still haunts them. Like we really get a lot of information on why things are how they are. But when you actually look deeper into what's going on there is a lot that doesn't meet the eye that's actually being conveyed there's a lot of gardening going on a lot of seeds being planted and it's really a testament to how good of a writer George R.R. R. Martin is. So this chapter opens up in Winterfell and the king is coming and there is a ton of pomp and circumstance. The long procession of badassery, horses and knights and banners flying. This is a scene in Game of Thrones that actually got me addicted. So like the king is here and in this chapter we are in Ned's head, his point of view. And it's interesting because as the procession comes through the gates of Winterfell, Ned is watching, he's looking on, and he's noticing the faces of people that he knows, but he doesn't know well. He notices Jamie Lannister, the Kingslayer, 
Tyrion Lannister, the imp, Sandor Clegane, the hound. He is even able to pick out Joffrey, the crown prince. But the king, Robert, the man that's like a brother to him, he can't pick him out because he's unrecognizable to Ned. He is a stranger. Robert tells Ned that he hasn't changed at all, but Ned can't even say that shit in return because Ned doesn't even recognize this man in front of him. And I feel it's indicative of what's to come. Ned remembers Robert in their youth, you know, the demon of the trident when they had rode forth and won the Iron Throne. Back then, Robert was no king. He was a young lord of Storm's End, clean-shaven, clear-eyed, and muscled like a maiden's fantasy. But not today. Today, he was overweight. And the last time Ned Stark had seen Robert was um, nine years ago during Balon Greyjoy's rebellion. So Balon Greyjoy, Theon's dad, proclaimed himself king of the Iron Islands and the direwolf and the stag and the lion. They all got together and put that shit to rest. They stormed Pike and Robert accepted Balon's surrender. But Lord Eddard ended up with Balon Greyjoy's youngest son and heir, Theon Greyjoy as a hostage or a ward if you're fancy. So since those nine years have passed, Robert has gained eight stones, which is about 112 pounds. So he put it on because he's been living a kingly glutton life in King's Landing. He's a man of huge appetites in more ways than one. So there is a huge contrast between Robert and Eddard, and not only them, but between Winterfell and King's Landing. And there is a contrast being set up between the Starks and the Lannisters. And as we continue, I will point them out. But first, there is something subtle that is being set up, and it's like kind of an expectations versus reality kind of thing. In each of the previous chapters, Robert has been mentioned. In the prologue, Waymore Royce yells out for Robert before he charges the White Walkers. Bran mentions King Robert and Ned talks with Bran about how their way is different than Robert's. And in Catelyn 1, Catelyn tells Ned that Robert is coming. Ned is happy. It's his good friend. He misses him. It's like his brother. Like the thoughts around Robert are all positive. But then in Daenerys 1, which is right before this chapter, Daenerys's views about Robert are a lot different. He's like the boogeyman in her opinion, like this monster, the usurper, the like her opinion of Robert Baratheon is negative. So we have all these like mixed views and expectations of how Robert is going to be. And then when we actually meet him and none of the expectations are met, we finally get the reality of him. And not only does he not seem like the monster that Daenerys has in her mind, he isn't the image that Ned Stark remembers either. He's like this shell of a man, like the shell of memories, like a sad shadow of the man that he used to be. So Cersei, she has an introduction and it's boss bitch status, like straight up, no filter. Cersei arrives in Winterfell in what would be equivalent to like a Lamborghini. Robert's queen, Cersei Lannister, entered on foot with her younger children, the wheelhouse in which they had ridden a huge double-decked carriage of oiled oak and gilded metal pulled by 40 heavy draft horses was too wide to pass through the castle gate. Everything in the north is like so bleak, plain, gray, white, and in contrast... 
The king and his queen show up with gleaming gold and a double-decker wheelhouse that can't fit through the castle gates of Winterfell. Like, Winterfell's a huge castle. Why can't the wheelhouse fit through the gate? Like, they couldn't be more opposites like they couldn't be more opposites so Robert Baratheon immediately wants to go to the crypts to pay his respect to Lyanna Stark Cersei she doesn't like this but Robert doesn't care and Ned loves Robert for remembering his sister after all these years while they're in the crypts there's a lot of foreshadowing going on about like what elements embody Ned and like what elements embody Robert so on the way down Robert is just like He's just complaining a lot about like the ride to get to Winterfell, how big the North is. He calls it a vast emptiness. He talks about how shitty the ends are past the neck, how plain it is. It's just like complaining talk about the snows and the hard winters. And then Robert comes in again with contrast, but this time between the North and the South. And he wants to talk about how great the South is compared to the north. You need to come south, Robert told him. You need a taste of summer before it flees. In Highgarden, there are fields of golden roses that stretch away as far as the eye can see. The fruits are so ripe, they explode in your mouth. Melons, peaches, fire plums, you've never tasted such sweetness. You'll see, I brought you some. Even at storm's end with that good wind off the bay, the days are so hot you can barely move. And you ought to see the towns, Ned. Flowers everywhere, the markets bursting with food. The summer wine so cheap and so good that you can get drunk just breathing the air. Everyone is fat and drunk and rich. He laughed and slapped his own ample stomach a thump. And the girls, Ned he exclaimed, his eyes sparkling. I swear, women lose all modesty in the heat. They swim naked in the river right beneath the castle. Even in the streets, it's too damn hot for the wool or fur. So they go around in these short gowns, silk if they have the silver, or cotton if not. But it's all the same when they start sweating and the cloth sticks to their skin. They might as well be naked. The king laughed happily. Not only... (laughs) Is this a contrast between the South and the North? This is a contrast between Robert and Ned. This basically shows us the elements of both men. They are literally as different as North and South. This is foreshadowing, friends. This is showing us how out of his element Ned Stark would be in the South and how different Ned and Robert are. Ned even says it. Robert Baratheon had always been a man of huge appetites, a man who knew how to take his pleasures. That was not a charge anyone could lay at the door of Eddard Stark. Robert Baratheon is a man of huge appetites. That's a true charge. He's huge. His warhammer's huge. Everything about him's huge. His thirst for wine and, and women is never ending. He is a glutton of a king. He's not telling Ned, hey, come to King's Landing so you can help save the small folk. You can make their lives better. So you can make the streets safer. He's saying, come to King's Landing and get fat and drunk and have a slew of women and bastards with me. Like, what do Robert Baratheon and Ned Stark have in common? What hobby do they share? Are they only friends because they grew up together and because Ned's sister died and she was betrothed to Robert? I just see them as like opposites, as opposite as opposite can get. But anyway, this chapter, we get our first look at the Crypts of Winterfell. 
It's ominous, it's creepy, it's cold. The lords of Winterfell watched them pass. Their likeness were carved into the stones that sealed the tombs. In long rows they sat, blind eyes staring out into eternal darkness, while great stone direwolves curled around their feet. The shifting shadows made the stone figures seem to stir as the living passed by. By ancient custom, an iron longsword had been laid across the lap of each who had been Lord of Winterfell to keep the vengeful spirits in their crypts. The oldest had long ago rusted away to nothing, leaving only a few red stains where the metal had rested on stone. Ned wondered if that meant those ghosts were free to roam the castle now. He hoped not. The crypts of Winterfell have always been like the thing in the story, like the place that has always made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. And George R.R. R. Martin introduces the crypts early and often. And in my opinion, that does mean they are important. And I do believe they will have a part to play in the end game. How many characters are drawn to those crypts? A lot. Like, I won't even name all of them, but those crypts are central to Jon Snow's dreams. Bran uses the crypts to escape Winterfell. There is the story about Bale the Bard. There's legends and lore. There's just so much mystery surrounding the crypts. But in this particular chapter, we are seeing the endgame of Eddard Stark. I mean, really look at it. As soon as Robert gets to Winterfell, Robert and Ned are in the crypts surrounded by death on all sides. This is very indicative of what's to come for dear old Ned. And if it's your first time reading it and you don't know what happens to Ned, you might not pick it up. But I can't unsee it. So they go to see Lyanna. She's with her dad, Lord Rickard Stark, and her brother, Brandon Stark. We get the exposition on Brandon, Rickard, and Lyanna. Brandon was supposed to wed Catelyn Tully of River Run, and he died. He was killed by King Aerys. So was Rickard Stark, their father. But we learned that Lyanna Stark, Ned's sister, was betrothed to Robert Baratheon. And... The exchange between Robert and Ned about Lyanna, I feel is so important. It's so important to like the backstory. Robert is like, damn it, Ned, why would you bury her in a place like this? And Ned is like, um, excuse me, hold up. This is the only kind of place for her. This was her place. She was the North, like this is who she was. And Robert also says, you know, like she's more beautiful than this. And this is showing us pretty early on that Robert is a little delusional. He has this idea of Liana, this idea of loving Liana, this idea of her beauty and who she was, but it isn't actually accurate. And he didn't really know her. And in a later Ned chapter, Ned tells him, You never knew Liana as I did, Robert. You saw her beauty, but not the iron underneath. To have Robert in disagreement with Liana's brother about Liana's burial location further highlights that he didn't know her at all. Liana told Ned she wanted to come home and rest beside Brandon and her father. He reminds Robert of that. He was with her when she died. And Lyanna haunts Ned's entire life. He recalls her death and the promises made and flowers and blood over and over throughout every chapter. He could hear her still at times. Promise me, she had cried, in a room that smelled of blood and roses. 
Promise me, Ned. The fever had taken her strength, and her voice had been faint as a whisper, but when he gave her his word, the fear had gone out of his sister's eyes. Ned remembered the way she had smiled then, how tightly her fingers had clutched his as she gave up her hold on life. The rose petals spilling from her palms, dead and black. After that, he remembered nothing. They had found him still holding her body, silent with grief. The little Cranningman, Howlin' Reed, had taken her hand from his. Ned could recall none of it. I bring her flowers when I can, he said. Liana was fond of flowers. He is haunted by ghosts, and as his chapter progresses, it gets worse and worse. But Robert is haunted as well, but not for the same reason. Ned and Robert share this bond of grief over Liana. But Robert did kill Rhaegar on the Trident, but in Robert's opinion, Rhaegar still won. It reminds me like of a bit of Norse mythology, the legend of Thor and Jormungur during Ragnarok. So I'll probably do a follow-up video with all the evidence on this, like if you want me to. But Thor, the guy that wields the Warhammer, defeats Jormungur, the serpent, the sea snake, the world serpent, and or the dragon. So during Ragnarok, Thor defeats him kills him but Thor still dies from the dragon's venom so yes Robert beat Rhaegar he killed Rhaegar but Robert is still dead inside it has brought him no satisfaction it has brought him nothing but a life of misery it's a poisoned victory and I really think that George R.R. R. Martin is drawing from Norse myth uh, when it comes to a lot of these characters so Ned asked Robert about John Aaron. John Aaron was Hand of the King and he died. He was like a father figure to Robert Baratheon and Eddard Stark. He raised them as his ward. So he fostered them. They were like his adopted sons. And when the Mad King called for their heads, John Aaron called for his banners and then there was a war. So now John Aaron is dead. So on top of the king coming to Winterfell and us seeing exiled dragons in the east and white walkers in the north, there is a death that seems to be suspect that we need to be looking at. But also there is something else. Robert Baratheon is a horrible king. He is a shit king and it's revealed early on. It's not as glaringly alarming as it will become, but a plot point that is never brought up in the show is the secession of the Eyrie and the title Warden of the East. This was John Aaron's title. John Aaron was Lord of the Eyrie, Warden of the East, and it should pass to his son. But we learn that Robert plans to foster sweet Robin, John and Lysa's son, to Tywin Lannister. Tywin has never fostered a child before. Robert sees this as a great honor. I see this as some kind of a plot, but Lysa took her son and ran away to the Erie, so it didn't happen. But not only did Robert have this plan, he also planned to name Jamie Lannister Warden of the East, which Ned thought was outrageous. The most alarming moment between Robert and Ned in this chapter is Robert's like 100% unwillingness to listen to anything Ned Stark says. And once Robert has made up his mind, that's it. Anytime Ned challenges Robert or offers his opinion, Robert completely dismisses him. He'll say shit like, all right, that's enough of that. Moving on. Like just he's super dismissive of Ned. So we've established that Robert hates his life. He knows he's surrounded by liars and flatterers and fools. So he seeks out Ned for some god awful reason. Mainly, I think, 
think he seeks out Ned because he feels Ned is the only person that he can trust. But even still, he doesn't listen to Ned like ever. Their first disagreement is about the Warden of the East and Robert dismisses him immediately. Robert thinks of Ned as like his true friend and the only man he can trust. But damn. If I must say so, Ned is the wrong choice for this position. And if you want to know why, there's a whole video I did on that. But this chapter has shown us vaguely already that Ned would be completely out of his element. And Robert doesn't care. He wants Ned to be handed the king and that's all there is to it. This is the last thing in the world that Ned wants though. And I feel that it's important because not only does he not want it, everything in this chapter leading up into this moment has shown us this king and handship duo is not gonna work out. They are opposites. But most importantly, Robert and Ned Stark don't agree on anything. And Robert is dismissive of Ned. The first time that they actually talk about policy regarding in the realm Robert is dismissive in this moment Ned notices like the dead of Winterfell all around them watching them with cold disapproving eyes if that isn't just like this harbinger of doom then what is of course the Stark Lords are looking on disapproving like Ned's place is in the north but Robert then reveals like okay yeah and by the way I plan to betroth my Joffrey to your son and that completely like shocks Ned he was not expecting that so not only has he been offered like the the title of hand of the king also his daughter is being offered to be like the queen one day so it's a lot to take in for one person that is dreading this whole conversation and like doesn't want any of this for a moment for a moment, Eddard Stark was filled with a terrible sense of foreboding. This was his place, here in the north. He looked at the stone figures all around them, breathed deep in the chill silence of the crypt. He could feel the eyes of the dead. They were all listening, he knew. And winter was coming. And that's why you should have stayed in the north. You should have stayed in the north. Winter is coming. Your place is in the north. Like that's how I feel like this whole this whole chapter like the the dead people in the crypts are just like screaming at him to stay in the north. Your place is in the north. Winter is coming. Like none of this matters. None of this other stuff matters. But Edward 1 is a great chapter that serves as the foundation of the dynamic between Robert Baratheon and Eddard Stark. It gives some exposition on Rhaegar and Lyanna and Robert's rebellion, but it also has a lot of death being foreshadowed through the entire chapter. I mean, three-fourths of the chapter is Ned and Robert in the crypts of Winterfell discussing the future while surrounded by death. And not only death, but like the past and how their past choices have led Led them to being in this very moment. But what are your thoughts on this chapter? John 1 is up next and we will be getting deep down into the layers of Jon Snow. I firmly believe R plus L equals J, but for those who believe any other equation, I will be completing this reread with an open mind. So we will talk about it and we are going to experience this story together through a completely different scope. As always, thanks for being here and I will see you later.